welcome back, man, to another episode. High Heat. Um, I think we're on 13. Uh, Matt Helms and Shelby Ford here. I think we got a pretty good episode coming up. Uh, a lot of good topics, a lot of good, uh, or a lot of different levels of sports. Pretty excited about it. For sure. It's going to be a good one. You know, I think uh kind of get ahead of ourselves a little bit. I think our next one we're planning on maybe doing an in-person. Yeah. Uh, definitely if we can get to december um either early december or late december one of the two whatever's easier what's works better with our schedule so we might have our best audio yet uh, for an episode uh, just the whole skype and recording two different voices from two different platforms and programs and coming out of different speakers or whatnot it's it's a headache for me but hopefully today's episode might be a little better i got the mic set up today um hopefully the audio is better so like i said we're trying to improve for you guys every episode to make it better better quality better uh sound all the above and hopefully today's one of our best so i think i'm i think i lost your video and here we go <laughs> i can hear you just fine hope you can still hear me but. <laughs> yeah i can hear you see you fine um i just meant i get to see, i still see your face so you just don't get to see my pretty face so the, the handle bars, yeah. <laughs> the old firefighter stash. I, I wish every time I try to grow mine, the wife's like, "Cut it, cut it." I said, "You don't understand. This is like the only facial hair that we're allowed to have." And you know what you tell her? You're just jealous because you can't grow it. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to stir that pot. But, <laughs> but on firefighters, see, so firefighters, I got a pretty funny story uh, for you that happened yesterday. Um, me and the the crew got in the truck and started driving the district and no sooner than we got on the main road in our district we see a guy cop running across one of our major roads <laughs> and we're like oh man he's chasing somebody he's getting it boy and we see another person and i'm like oh there's there's the guy he's chasing well then we realized it was just another cop i'm like oh they're after somebody so we're sitting at the stoplight just watching this whole thing unfold they run across, go into a business, run across, run into another business. They go into Walgreens, and uh, we finally saw that they were chasing somebody. So we flipped it over to the fire, or not the fire, the police scanner uh, radio, and uh, we hear that, hey, he's in Walgreens' bathroom. He's in a green, green hoodie. So we see him darting into Walgreens. And as they're going into Walgreens, somebody darts out and shoots across another major road and goes across the street. <laughs> So finally, the green light hits. We're like, hey, let's drive into the old uh, Fuji uh, parking lot there and let's see what happens, what unfolds. And so we keep hearing on the scanner, he's in the Fuji bathroom. So they all run across the street, go into the Fujis, can't find him. And then they get a call on the on the radio that says, hey, we got a call that he's in the Walgreens bathroom. <laughs> so back across the street, they go. And um, while we're sitting there, we're talking to a... Um, a woman in the parking lot, she said, yeah, I saw that guy run in. He's in a green hoodie. He just ran into Fuji's. And as soon as she's talking to us, the guy pops out of Fuji's <laughs> and the cops are across the street. <laughs> the woman's like, that's him right there. So we get on our radio and we're like, hey, dispatch, tell police that he just ran out of Fuji's and he's headed he's headed uh, west. <laughs> and so we hear the scanner on the police thing. He's running out of Fuji's. And here comes the police back across the road. These guys are like sweating hardcore. Like they've been running for a while. Oh man! And so we see him go this direction. So we just start driving down the road, trying to find where he's at. And we say, "Hey, we see him go in this building." Cops go into that building. They're looking for him, and said so he was hidden out or something. 
And then finally a call comes out of the radio. Hey, he's back in the middle of the street getting taken down by police. So we will it back around, block traffic for him because they're right in the middle of the road. And uh, finally they catch their suspect and everything. And luckily we were there because we did have to end up providing aid to uh, one of the police officers and the guy that got arrested. Um, so we were right on it, man. We were part of the chase. It was pretty exciting. I was like, yeah, that's, that's pretty good. We, we're now Officer uh, Helms now is what I'm going to go by. <laughs> Um, so yeah, pretty interesting day. You don't really get to do that much in the fire department, but, uh, we were literally right in the middle of it, the whole thing. And we got both sides. We could hear both dispatches and everything talking about it. And, uh, it was pretty funny getting to be a part of it. So did you have to administer oxygen to the car? No, but we kept him on an SPO2, uh, <laughs> monitor just in his SPO2 was 97 the whole time, but his heart rate was like 150, 160, um, uh, he didn't admit to being on anything, but he had like white saliva coming out of the sides, usually a sign of taking something. Yeah. Uh, so he never admitted to anything, uh, but it kind of seemed like he was on something. He was mainly disturbing the public and harassing people in Walmart or whatever. Yeah. Then he ran to a McDonald's next door, and when the police went to confront him, he took off. So then that's when the chase started, and we caught right in the middle of it. Um, all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah, dude was. Dude was sprinting for a while. He come out of Fuji without his hoodie, and she was like, "He doesn't have his hoodie on, but that's that's the guy." And so we're just—I told my captain, I said, "You're probably just messing with the police, telling him he's in this building, this building, just to get him to run back and forth, and he's not even in any building." So it was pretty exciting. It was pretty funny. Um, he's taking a cop car now. <laughs> oh, that was been oh, I've been gold. Um, but no, we were just right in the middle of the whole thing, and we got to help, I guess, a little bit. So we were there. Monitoring his vitals and stuff, making sure nothing happened. I think he ended up with a, maybe a couple bruised or broken ribs. And then one of the officers had a cut on his head from a headbutt. And then another officer had a cut on his hand from um, scraping the guy's arm or teeth or something. I don't know. There was a lot of injuries. So oh, man. nothing too crazy, but no injury-wise. But it was a pretty interesting call. It's one of the first for me being right in the middle of a, a police chase. Well, definitely uh, shakes up the monotony of the day. You get something interesting like that. Oh, 100%. 100%. It was, it was pretty epic. And um, like you said, made it for a fun story. Everybody started calling Captain. was like, what are you doing? Because he was over our channel talking to the yeah. disc, saying, he's here, he's there, he's there. So all the other captains started texting. I was like, what the heck is going over there in Six's district? <laughs> so, Listen, we play a dual role over here. We call ourselves the dual threats. Yeah, we're firefighters. We're... FD slash PD, so all the above. Yep. But uh, <laughs> that's our because we, we actually know which way we're going. Yeah, yeah, we actually. <laughs> it was just funny watching them, man. That was there's about five or six of them out there running around. You just see these police officers. It looked like a paintball war, you know, where everybody's running different directions and hiding out and stuff. Oh, man, capture the flag. That's awesome. Yeah, that's what. It was <laughs> funny. Um, I don't know if you have any, but that was the only one I had. Man, I don't have any good ones as of late. How'd that bomb threat end up last night? Nothing? Oh, it was garbage. It was like an assisted care living center. So we're like, oh, somebody probably not getting a nurse fast enough. Like, we put a bomb outside. I need my fan on. So I'm going to throw a <laughs> bomb threat to get some attention in here. That's funny. I'm trying to think. I'll um, went out and flowed the stick a little bit. For yeah. those that don't know, it's the ladder truck. And I guess they're tearing down the old 24-hour fitness next to where we we hook the hydrant and you know play with the the trucks yeah 
So come back to work the next shift after that. And there's all these signs from inside, you know, you know, caution wet floor. They put on the treadmills, you know, no, absolutely no running. And then it's, you know, on top of the aerial, they put a, a no diving placard up there. I'm like, oh my God, you are a bunch of idiots. That's funny. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you specified what that meant because I'm sure there's a lot of people didn't know what that mean when you're telling them you're playing with a stick. So I'm glad you specified on that. Yep. Um, yep. You know, we had to set up the ladder truck and raise the big ladder on top to a point yep. to where we could flow water out of it. You know, I know it kind of sounds like uh, talking to a child, but, you know, it, it is, you know, you do have to explain kind of what's going on. So if you hear us talking out there and we talk about, you know, we, we will out and flow the stick and that means the ladder truck or the aerial or or something like that. It's just we get to talking. Sometimes we forget, you know, the lingo we kind of have to change up. Yeah, I'm sure it's it's kind of similar, but kind of different for every department, too. Like, you got your own names for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if ours is universal, but we call a hydrant a plug. Um, I don't yep. know if it's universal. Um, like I said, I haven't been around other departments to know their lingos or whatnot, but I'll say a plug in public, and they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, hydrant, sorry. Like, I'm just I'm just used to talking like that, so... <laughs> No, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, you hear it on the radio, we're at water, we're at a hydrant, we're at a plug, I mean, it's, yeah. so. And then one of our big things, I, I've heard out of it, it kind of grown a little bit on it, but where they'll say if something's cool or that's awesome, they'll say that's cat, I don't know where that came from or who started it, they'll say, man, that's cat, I don't know, it's just, it's just, you got to know what that means when someone's talking about it, and, and I don't have it, I haven't used it in my vocabulary that much, but when I'm talking to other guys, I'm like, so try to explain it to them, they'll know, so. There's a lot of different lingos out there and words. Can't, and say, and all that. can't say I've heard that one. That, that's no, cool. I, it's, I think that's just a local one. I think somebody said it or used it and it just caught on. So I couldn't, <laughs> tell, you, couldn't tell you when it was established or whatnot. Yeah. Um, but that'll bring us to uh, – we're going to talk – we got some NHL talk. Uh, we got some college football talk. We got some MLB talk. Um, shoot, we got – NFL talk. We got a little bit of everything, so we're gonna start out with the uh, NHL. On a lighter note, we're gonna start out with some sadder news. Um, rest in peace and praying for the family of Adam Johnson, which happened uh, October 28th, late October 28th. Uh, he sustained a neck injury from the skate of Matt Petegrave, um, and it uh, I think it severed his carotid artery, and um, he was pronounced dead later at the hospital. But um, horrible injury, horrible video. Uh, it's just tough to watch. I don't recommend watching it. If you're queasy or easily upset by stuff like that, I would not recommend watching that video. No, there's a lot of lot of blood in that video. And like I said, like you said, wouldn't recommend anybody watching it that's queasy or anything. Um, I just hate it, though, that for his family, though, that all those videos are out there. It's tough to watch to know that. And just keeping his family in the prayers and Matt Petgrave in the prayers, too, because, I mean, there's a lot of controversy with that, which we're going to dive into um it's just kind of tough it's a tough situation man um the police have opened an, up an investigation uh he could pete grave could face manslaughter charges uh pete grave has been known around the league as a dirty player so if you didn't know a dirty player just plays a little a little more aggressively and maybe takes a few different chances that normal players wouldn't take um like that he's been known around the league um but after johnson's death and the uh, the English Ice Hockey Association introduced a net guard mandate uh, beginning in 2024. Uh, no U.S. leagues have mandated a net guard yet. So just an extra pad, I think, just like a neck brace almost. I mean, 
granted, I'm sure hockey players probably hate playing with it. It's probably not comfortable. It's just an accessory. It's one of those you kind of got to get used to. Um, but you know, that's one of those deals. I'm really surprised it took this to to implement it because wasn't I mean several years ago, time like decade, couple decades, or even a few. Wasn't there a goalie that it happened to? I think so. Yeah, I couldn't tell and you. The the trainer, I guess you know, I heard the story and exactly he reached in and actually pinched off the uh, the artery. Yeah, and that's what saved his life. I mean, even you know, uh, goalies wear those plastic or fiberglass extensions down over your throat. I mean, it, it's it's kind of something that makes sense. I mean, you are playing with a blade on your feet. Mm-hmm. There is a puck coming straight at you that can actually crush your throat. I mean, if you're not paying attention to it, they're heavy. If you've never seen or felt a puck, those things are freaking heavy, and they're coming at you at freaking speed so fast. Yeah. Like a MLB pitcher throwing fastball, they're even faster. And I don't know. It's just one of those deals that, like I said, it's it's unfortunate. It took something like this happening, somebody losing their life for it to be in effect. But I mean, pucks, sticks, and you know, skates—they are weapons. They are unfortunate deals that can catch a throat, crush it. You know, uh, obviously, uh, severed jugular. I mean, it, it's yeah, damn. Well, there's been two incidences. Um, the first one, or there's one, Lewis or Blues, uh, Sabres, Steve Tuttle. Uh, he was crushed, crashed hard in the goals uh, crease during play, and as they collided, Tuttle's skate blade hit the right front side of Marl Chuck's neck, uh, severing his carotid artery and partially cutting his jugular vein. And the one you're talking about is uh, Clint Mar- Chuck, which we're talking about. Yeah, this one you're talking about. It says, officials rushed rushed to help. Clint turned to the team's equipment manager and said, hold my hand while I die. But Clint didn't die. Despite the devastating injury, miraculously, the team's trainer, a Vietnam veteran, was able to stem the bleeding. Ten days later, he was back on the ice. Mm. So, Mm -mm -mm. he said he just... Vietnam War vet man just getting in there saying, "Man, I, this is not my first rodeo. I've seen this before." Yeah, like, for you. You know, they've seen anything and everything. Mm-hmm. That's the right man at the right time at the right place. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's how those injuries go. If you don't have everything happen perfectly, you're probably not going to make it. Yeah, but that's wild, man. That's wild that that still happens, and that's been. Uh, I think it says 1989 when that happened. Okay. So, I mean, you think something like that's happened? Since 90, pretty much, 89, 90, 25, 26 years ago, nothing's happened. And then, um, sorry, 30, my fault. Uh, but then something like this to take it to where those guards, I mean, I feel like there should be enough equipment advances that we should get something that's comfortable. You know, they just added the, I don't know how recently, the neck guard for the goalies now, the plastic that hangs down. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't know when that was implemented, but it seems like every time there's an incident, something gets you know, which is nice, which is good. It's how it should be. You know, you should be upgrading equipment all the time. There's new equipments and helmets. You know, uh, baseball's got the side mask thing to help with the face. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like if they can find a way to make it comfortable for the players, I think they all should be – it should be just part of the gear. You Agreed. Know? I know it's rare to happen, but the one time it does, you got a freaking knife on your foot. And if a knife comes up, that's tough to – to stop. Oh, yeah. But they said uh, a teammate of Johnson, who was a guy that passed away, uh, 
say uh, wholeheartedly uh, stand with Matt Petgrave. Uh, the hate that that Matt is receiving is terrible and completely uncalled for. I was at the ice level on the bench close to the accident. I saw both players moving fast. The unintentional clip of the Panther player's leg caused the somersault. It's clear to me that his actions were unintentional, and um, and anyone suggesting otherwise is mistaken. So, no, like I said, no, the player for the team, the guy that got killed, he was defending Matt Petgrave. And it's sad that solely Petgrave's reputation of being that type of player is probably the driving factor of why he's getting held on suspicion of manslaughter. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, there's no been no mandatory in the U.S., but all three Canadian leagues are requiring to wear the neck, neck braces now. So, yeah, like you said, it's just his, you know, reputation of being dirty and whatnot, but you don't, no man is trying to go out and kill somebody, you know, and um, I'm sure he feels awful. I mean, there's nothing anybody would in that situation. And to be on top of it being indicted for manslaughter, man, that's got to be tough. Very. You got to feel, you definitely feel for both sides. Yeah. Yeah. There's no winner here at all. I mean, Pet Graves is already going to live in an emotional prison knowing that he did something or that. He's the reason, or his skate coming up like that is the reason that, you know, uh, Johnson was killed. Yeah, that's going to be tough to live with, especially getting back out there and trying to make a hit or do your job, you know, out there on the ice. And and you'd be having that second thought in your head, surely in the back of your head the whole time. Yep. Um, And going along NHL, uh, they recently reverted on their band. Over the summer, NHL uh, announced bans on on special jersey nights and rainbow tape. Uh, the ban came after a few players didn't want to wear pride jerseys, uh, which has been used in the league for the last seven years. Uh, once this ban was put into effect, there was an outrage from players in the league and Arizona Coyotes defenseman, uh, I forget how his name, Dimmelt, was the first to defy the ban wrapping a stick in rainbow tape. Just saying, I'm going to still do it, pretty much, kind of defying the odds. Uh, the League Players Union and the Committee on Inclusions agreed to give players the opinion uh, option to represent social causes. So it was not just, the, the ban was not just for uh, Pride Night or anything. It was for, I think I read where it was for anything. It was kind of for theme nights. So, I mean, that was basically anything, um, not just, exactly for pride night um but i guess the inclusion committee or whatever all got together a few players got together and were saying that they were going to do it anyway so quick ban revert to the ban how do i feel about it yeah it is it, it is what it is you know, if the only reason of them doing that is just for pushing back, saying that you can't do this and blah, 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 I don't get it. I think I'm going to take a hard or easy pass on this one. Just because, you know, from our baseball world, you know, we always did breast cancer awareness and prostate cancer awareness. Mm-hmm. So we had the pink and we had the baby blue. And then we started adding in some some different, you know, we had first responders and we had some other, you know, uh, teachers and stuff like that. So we always had had stuff like that, stuff that uh, military nights, um, 
stuff that actually had a driving reason behind it, not trying to push a social or political agenda. Yeah. Well, the, I'd say the only uh, the only thing for me would be is if it's so bad for one group to not to be banned. You know, if another person wanted to pose something and didn't want to wear it, then you shouldn't have any trouble with them not wearing it. You know, that's where I'm at. Like, yeah. if all these all these social things or or theme nights or whatever, go for it. Do what you want, but don't force everybody or make them feel bad or put them on on the guillotine, you know, for, for opposing it or not wanting to wear it. You know, that's where my biggest thing is, is where you want to throw a fit if you didn't get your way. But then when someone opposes your way, it's, it's to the, you know, like I said, to the guillotine for them. That's the only thing I have a problem with. And that's not saying just, just pride night. There's other things too, to where people were against or for, you know, or something like that. Um, there's yeah. multiple different options that people, everybody's going to have a problem with something. There's never going to be a hundred percent, everybody in on one certain thing. If you have two people in a room, they're probably going to um, be on opposites on certain issues and topics and everything. Um, but for me, just for them to push for one thing, but then, like I said, one person stands up or doesn't want to do it, they get crucified, you know, and that's the only thing that I have a problem with, with that. Like I love theme nights. I love the new jerseys. I love all the different stuff, but it should be up to the player if they want to wear it or not. 100%. So I guess that's all I got on that. It was just it was just it was just pretty interesting that they would propose a ban and then like a month later refute on it, you know, um, just a little push and they they folded, you know. If you're gonna be strong, if you're gonna do it, be strong on it, you know. No theme yep. night for anybody, you know. Be strong on it. But for them to flip like that so quickly, they gave in to some peer pressure or whatnot because they didn't want to be on the bad news of side of things. So. Either don't don't propose it at all or stick to your guns. That's the only thing I issue I have with it. One hundred percent. But yeah, I think that's all we had on NHL. So those couple stories. Um, that's going to take us into college football. Um, it's rocking pretty heavy right now. I mean, we're what two thirds almost done. Playoff Ten games in. Ten games in, and what two more left? I believe so. Probably like more ninety percent done. Eighty five, ninety somewhere there. Um, I'm going to read off the current AP poll and then we're going to go off the original season AP poll and then we'll talk about upsets or teams that disappointed or teams that you shocked you. Um, so currently this is the AP poll. Uh, you got Georgia at one, uh, Michigan at two, Ohio state, Florida state, Washington at five. Those are two top undefeated teams. They're the five undefeated teams. Uh, six Oregon, seven Texas, eight Bama, nine Louisville, uh, ten Oregon State, and they are the only two lost team in the top ten. Uh, starting of the season, Georgia still in the same spot, Michigan in the same spot, Ohio State in the same spot. Uh, beginning of the year, you had Bama at four, LSU at five, uh, South or Southern Cal at six, Penn State at seven, Florida State at eight. Uh, Clemson at nine and Washington at 10. So there's a few teams in there that started the year out in the top 10. Um, and then there's a few teams in there now that didn't start in the top 10. So what's your big, who's your biggest surprise this year? My biggest surprise. Washington. Yeah. 
you just thought in Pac-12 that they wouldn't survive or what? Really, almost coming out of nowhere. And they're ranked 10 in the year. And doing kind of what they've done, though. I mean, you're playing against a extremely good Oregon team who has the number one candidate for Heisman on it right now in Bo Nix. Mm-hmm. I guess he overtook Penix. Penix um, but I, I just think Washington is uh, really my, my biggest surprise. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. I had uh, Louisville in there. That's why I'm representing my shirt right now today. I'm going to bring that up. Um, they started the year unranked. Uh, now they're at number nine on the nine and one record, which should be 10 and 0, but they lose to a Pittsburgh team that's unranked. Mm. Right after they beat a Notre Dame team that was ranked like 10th or 7th. Oh, still mad about that. But anywho, I know they're not in the toughest conference, but they have beat number 10 Notre Dame and number 20 Duke. Um, but just to be 9-1 and one in that conference, they got Miami coming up this Saturday. That'll be a big test. That'll show if they're – I feel if they lose that game, they're going to drop about eight or nine spots. But if they win, they might could move up depending on the top 10 and how they uh, manage. Yep. Uh, and then my other big team was uh, Missouri. They went from unranked to number 11, which we didn't mention them in here because they're just outside the top 10. They're sitting at number 11 with an 8-2 and two record, uh, beating, a, at the time, number 15, Kansas State, a 24, UK, and a 13, Tennessee. And their only two losses came to the number one, Georgia, by nine, and LSU by 10, who was ranked 23rd at the time. Um, so, I mean, they kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody expected them in the SEC to be a – a top in their division. Um, so I would say those two teams are my biggest surprise so far. I mean, just from being unranked to now being top 11, one being 11 and one being nine, uh, pretty impressive, especially awesome. being in the, the, the conference that they are in. Man, I, for, I forgot to, uh, no, I, I agree with you completely. Um, let's talk about Kansas Jayhawks for a second. Yeah. They've been on the up last, what, Three years? Yeah. You know, you see something happening up there. It's like, okay, you know, they're they're not a slough of a team. Yeah. They've played some very good teams of very close games. Yeah. You know, I think um, – have they played OU? Did they did – they Yeah, they beat OU. That okay, was, I couldn't remember if it was Kansas. The uh, they beat OU, and then OU loses to OSU right after that. So I couldn't remember which one was uh, Kansas or Kansas State. Of course, they've both been surprises. Kansas State's usually going to be your your surprise team. That's going to pop off a couple wins, get some teams. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna they're gonna be the spoilers. But Kansas, you know, I think they got up to what like seventeen or something. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it, it makes me joyous to see USC just completely fall out. Yeah. That's what we're getting to next is our biggest disappointments. They're, they're in my list. So. I mean, that's not a disappointment to me. I love seeing it. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> disagreeing with you, but I'm just saying from a yeah. non-biased fan, um, super happy but very disappointed season for sure. Right. Um, but, yeah, um, yeah well, Lance Leopold, the head coach there at Kansas, is doing a great job with them. Um, like I said, getting them – Flipped around. Uh, who was it that was before? Was it Kelly there or no? No, Les Miles. Les Miles, that's who it was, yeah. 
I don't know. I don't. He. Had, I mean, he might have got the culture started to turn. You know, might have been yeah. the first stepping stone. Um, but yeah, Leopold. Leopold has been tearing it up the last few years, and they've been dangerous too. I think they would have done a lot more damage last year. I think, but their quarterback got hurt. If I'm correct. Uh, yeah, I think so. Their quarterback. Um, like I said, they. You don't. Kansas used to be the bottom of the barrel for years. Being a basketball only school and. And being bottom barrel, and it's a guaranteed win in every Big 12 team. They'd be like one in 10, one in 12, you know. Yep. Um, and now they're sitting there a few games over 500. It's pretty pretty impressive, too. So, yeah, I'd agree with you there. So, while we're talking about top 25, let's talk about AP ranked number 18, James Madison. Yes. If you're going to ban a team from a bowl game for moving up, then why are you going to allow them to take a top 25 spot from somebody else? Yeah. I agree. And it sucks for the kids. Let the kids play. You should be rewarding them for moving up. Okay, they've earned the, re- the right to move up. Okay, we're going to reward them. They're 10-0. and 0. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can put them in top 10. That's fine. They haven't really, uh, you know, hey, it's the new guy. Let's show them a little tough love. Let's make them earn their keep. Yeah, they're behind a seven and three team. I forget which team it was, but they're behind a three loss team. Uh, Utah and LSU. Yeah, um, but they're not allowed to compete in postseason play thanks to the NCAA rule. Uh, teams transition from the FCS, which is the championship series football, uh, to FBS, which is the bowl series. Uh, must wait two years before being eligible for bowls. Uh, they are in their current second year. Um, the only way they can move up and be in a bowl, though, they do have a little bit of hope. Um, the only way they can get into a bowl uh, is if, if there isn't enough six and six teams yeah. in the BCS or in the F- FBS uh, to fill the 41 bowls. And there's currently 58 teams that meet the requirement, and they need 82. So there's quite a big there's quite a big gap that's got to be filled for teams to win maybe their next two games to get into a bowl game. Um, so there might be a chance for uh, James Madison to jump into one of those bowl games. Uh, Did you say 41 bowl games? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You got, like, the Staples Stapler Bowl and the Austin Toilet Bowl and, you know. <laughs> the Dick Sporting Goods Athletic Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, 41 bowls. And there's only 58 that are eligible right now, and they need 82. So there's there's hope for them. Um, but November 15th, NCAA denied uh, James Madison bowl waiver. Uh, why the NCAA has the rule is intended to assure that schools have the finances and infrastructure to compete at a higher level. So, yeah, they're not even allowed to play in the Sunbolt Championship, though. Mm-hmm. Because they're transitioning, so they don't even get to play in their, their Sunbelt, Sunbelt, even though they're 10-0 and and no other team's got, I think, set, uh, nine wins. The only time transitioning can go bad. Yes, the only time. So, yeah. But they do have big wins against them, um, which I know they're not big-ranked teams, but they do it against Virginia, uh, Utah State, Marshall, and UConn. So they're, they're fighting these, these bigger D1s that are, that are in the FBS. They're not just playing FCS teams the whole time. Uh, so they, they've, they've held their own, 10-0. And, and I should say, I wish they would have – got the the appeal and um mm-hmm. got to see what they got i'd like to see them against the top 15 team in a bowl game oh for sure 
I know you can't really put them in a playoff like a top. Like if there's 12 teams, you know, if we've gone to the 12 team playoffs that NCAA right. comes to next year, I could see them kind of stepping back and not put them in there. But to put them in the next bowl that's outside of the the top 12, you know, heck, what do you have to lose? Yeah, they they need to update that. And since there is a playoff system, okay, no matter how good you do, you cannot be in a college football playoff. Okay, that's fair. But we can go to a bowl game, right? Yes. Yeah. What, what, what's the harm in that? There's none. <laughs> you know, yeah, okay, go go pull a UCF and self-proclaim you national championship. <laughs> Whatever. Who cares? Yeah. But, you know, okay, hey, you know, we, we like that y'all are moving up. We like that you're being, um, you know, cool about this and you're holding your own. You're playing good football. You're beating teams. We can't put you in the college football playoffs for two years. Okay, cool. Yeah, there would be zero problem with that. I can almost one hundred percent guarantee that. Yeah, you can't be in the final playoffs, but you can be in a bowl game. That sounds good to me. But then not be be able to play in your own Sun Belt championship. That's where I don't get it. I mean, you're still if you, <laughs> you're still in that league. You're still an FCS team until next year. Why don't you get to compete in that division or in that league? It's almost like a screw you for leaving. Yeah, and a screw you for coming over. <laughs> yeah, you get both ways just for just for trying to better your university and and make a make a bigger impact for your players and stuff. I hate players, players they can hold their own in basketball. Yeah, they're doing good in basketball too. It's it's tough for those players too, especially if it was their junior senior year. Man, that'd be tough. You come in freshman sophomore year, you know, hey, we're doing good, we're doing good. Oh, junior senior year, you can't play in any bowl games. Sorry. Yeah. You can't play in the conference championship. Sorry. Yeah. So they're they're double whammy. Yeah, they're taking one for the team for the future program and for future um future players to come in there. But it'll be good for them overall. Hopefully they when they do get in next year that they'll make another run. Hopefully they're not like a was it UTEP? No. It was a San Antonio, US San Antonio, the road, uh, UTSA. The Roadrunners. Yeah, UTSA. They made a run last year. They were undefeated up till about right now, and then I think they lost one of the two games, and they just absolutely cut them out after that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I hate it for them. I hope. I wish they could have changed it, but I think that was the final appeal. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, back to our uh, dig- biggest dis- disappointments. Um, I had a couple teams here. We mentioned USC. Uh, they were ranked number six in the preseason. They're unranked now at seven and four, losing to number twenty-one Notre Dame, number fourteen Utah, number five Washington, and number six Oregon. So zero and four against ranked teams, and then seven and zero against unranked teams. Um, people probably say, "Well, we lost against ranked teams." Well, to win, you, to win it all, you got to beat ranked teams. So, yeah, yeah. And I think they gave. I think I saw a stat where it said they gave up more points this year than Iowa's given up in the last two years. I mean. Lincoln Riley is offense, no defense. What do you expect? Yeah, great. That being an OU fan, I mean, it's. Oh yeah, doesn't surprise me. <laughs> that's the way he was. Yeah, it's it's. I'm gonna I'm gonna outscore you. I don't care about how much you score. I'm just gonna outscore you, and that's all I have to worry about. So oh. USC fans, watch where his next vacation is going. Did I give you a clue where he might land next? Yeah, I'm, I'm already just wondering if he's starting his uh, departure, looking for you know. You think he's thinking A and M? Oh, maybe. I don't know. Or, or who else is another, another state of Texas favorite, Gary Patterson. 
Oh, yeah? Is he back in the mix? Well, I mean, he's the special assistant to the head coach at UT. Yeah. Uh, my sister worked for him. She really enjoyed working for him. So he's a good dude. And uh, he brought that program up at TCU to where they're kind of bottom of the barrel for a while. Actually, they're on top at the Mountain West and then came in a Big 12 and fought a little bit. And then they built their way up to, to be a pretty big powerhouse. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I have, uh, also I have Clemson ranked number nine preseason. Ooh. Now they're unranked at six and four, uh, losing to Duke, number four, FSU, NOT. Uh, losing to Miami and NC State. And they had a pretty good lead on that Florida State game. They should have beat Florida State. That's where everybody's kind of questioning Florida State being in the top four because Florida State probably should have lost a couple games in the way. It- yeah. And, and I, Clemson's running back has been hurt for a couple games too, right? Yeah, I think so. And then their main quarterback, they told him to go somewhere else and started the younger guy, and the younger guy's not been uh, meshing good with college football. So. No. He's got some raw talent, but just adapting to that style of play, it's tough. And it just shows you these coaches that are highly against the transfer portal are the ones that are kind of kind of struggling a little bit because, no, I want my guys. I want these guys. I want this. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I get that. You're, you got your loyalty. Yeah. I get it. But you have to catch up with the times. So it's just it, it sucks. I You know, it, it's the nature of the beast. They're going to get out out. Talented for sure. Um, they don't change their ways or get with the program. I know it's tough to do that, but you can homegrown some people. But you got somebody that's a junior that's sitting on the bench that's better than anybody on your team. You know, you, and you're not going to take him just because he's going to transfer. Uh-huh. That's going to be kind of tough. I mean, just look at OU. They're transfer transfer you for quarterbacks and yeah. first rounders back to back, and then several good ones coming in. You know, I don't know if we've had a homegrown one in the last eight years. You know, ever since maybe Sam Bradford. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe someone in between there, which don't correct me if I'm wrong, but um, yeah, especially that transfer portal. It's been a change. NILs changed the game. It's a different world out there now. Um, yeah. Continuing on college football, the big talk of the town, Michigan football scandal. I want to know what is so scandalous about it. You're telling me that there aren't other teams in this country that are doing the same thing. Hey, we're not telling you to go to a game, but if you want to go to a game, you know, here's what you can do. Yeah. You got a smartphone, right? And you can kind of take videos of anything you want, right? Yeah. I got the whole uh, scoop from ESPN. They said uh, NCAA claims that Michigan used a vast network of people to take sidelines of future opponents across the last three seasons. Uh, head coach Jim Harbaugh uh, denied any out- out- alleged cheating. On November 10th, the Big Ten banned Harbaugh from the sidelines on game days for the rest of the 2023 regular season, but will be allowed to work with the players during the week. So very quick decision-making. Everybody was up in arms saying, do something, do something, do something. I'm like, how can you do something if you don't have proof? How do you do something if you don't have hard facts? If they had hard facts, I'd be like, yeah, this this makes sense that you put a ban on him. Um, And I I guess apparently Michigan turned around and – you know, they had affidavits and stuff where Ohio State and some of the others were doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's going to be interesting. It's Pandora's box for sure. Uh, you know, I think NCAA told Harbaugh, just take it. We'll make it go away. Yeah. Well, Harbaugh's already been in trouble. Hot water for COVID year. Uh, he did some illegal recruiting during certain times when he wasn't supposed to. 
but uh, fessing up to it too. So it's like he's he's fessing up to these things that he did, you know, especially that one. Yeah. But this one right here, where he's like, "No, I did not do that." I yeah. Mean, so it's like the guy showed he's going to work with you. Yeah. Well, people are the the big controversy here is is sign stealing illegal. You know, like in baseball, it's kind of frowned upon, but unless you're using technology to relay the signals, <coughs> Astros. Um, but um, just at second base, you know, it's always been a chess game, you know, trying to get the advantage, you know, what oh, he's, yeah. where, where they're setting up. That, that's part of the game. You get caught, you get plugged. So, I mean, take your risk, take your, your chance on that. Um, mm -hmm. But it's part of the game. It's a chess match, you know, and that's why they're going to the digital on the leg, you know, to the pitcher, you know, to stop the sign stealing. Um, even in NFL, they got the headsets now. They just, they got the closed ears that, and then it's straight helmet or it's coach to player on the microphone. All you gotta do is hide your, your face and you get the relay in and nobody knows. Uh, yeah. it's not, it's not implemented in NCAA. They use hand signs or graphics. And so that allows now somebody to watch. And to see what's this play with that graphic, what's this play with that sign. You'll see those coaches out there. There'll be four different coaches, four different T-shirt colors. They look like uh, the chipmunks, Alvin and the chipmunks out there. And they're all doing different signals. And one's one's the go guy and one, the other two are deeks or other three guys are deeks. So, um, so I've always I've heard that and I've always heard each colors are a different set of uh, skill players, like the receivers, the running backs, the linemen and the tight ends and. Yeah, I didn't think of that, and that might be that might be true too. Where you got each person's got their own coach to look at, and um, which it'd be kind of hard to steal those signs. You got four player, four coaches with all these different signs. They'll use all these different graphics or something. They'll have like Family Guy character back there, or Raiders logo, or you know all kinds of stuff. Um, but sign stealing in the week leading up to the game and during the game itself is part of the game within the game. What is banned under NCAA legislation? is advanced scouting in person. That's what they're trying to get them on. Um, videotaping another team's signals is banned under both NCAA and Big Ten legislation. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're kind of wondering, people are wondering how this got brought to light. A Michigan staffer, Connor Stallions, uh, joined Michigan staff as a volunteer and then was hired on full-time in 2022. Uh, they found out in text revealed by Sports Illustrated, uh, Stallions boasted of sign stealing and it, is a close relationship with Michigan staffers. Uh, TV footage have shown Stallion standing next to Michigan coordinators across several seasons, holding a laminated copy of signs. Um, also, Big Ten schools told ESPN that they had proof that tickets bought through a third-party app were brought to, uh, were bought under Stallion's name. Uh, his bought tickets to to in-conference teams and out-of-conference teams that Michigan were soon going to be facing in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's the big uproar. Uh, they're say they're doing that. Um, TCU was aware of the sign stealing last year before they faced off in the CFP semifinals, and we know how that went for them. Uh, TCU used dummy signals and went on to win fifty-one forty-five. So, I mean, it's just like baseball. You think somebody's stealing your signs, you change it. Yeah. I mean, in football, you think you need to critique your signs or change them up a little bit because. Even if you're watching tape from the other school, I mean, isn't that use of recording devices? Then that's the fine line I'm, I'm curious about. <laughs> you're, you're watching, you watch, in football, you watch tape. I remember high school, you watch tape on other teams that played this team that you're playing. You pick up what they do. You pick up plays. You pick up calls that they're making. You know, you're trying to get the advantage. And that's every team is trying to get the advantage over the other team. 
And like you said earlier, it's pro- uh, probably 100%. There's more than one other team that's doing this. You know, they're just the only one that got brought to light. And if Stallions is doing this on his own, that way, you know, hey, I'm going to be, I'm going to get me a job. I'm going to be one of the best. And he's over there doing that. He's, mm-hmm. you know, analyzing this video and he's making, he's making his cheat sheets and everything else. And hey, this is what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, this, well, this kid's doing a good job. He's on to something. Yeah. You know, if that's on his own accord, it's on his own accord. I, I, you don't, I don't think you punish the program or the coach. Okay. Hey, Stallions, guess what? You're no longer employed. Yeah. You're breaking all the bylaws. Well, both both have actually happened. Um, after the launch of the investigation into Michigan, Yahoo Sports reported Michigan fired Stallions before actually stating that Stallions resigned. Um, there are also photos of of Stallion or a guy that looks like Stallions dressed in Central Michigan sidelines during a Michigan game. I don't know if you've seen that. He's got a Central Michigan hat. He's got glasses on, dark shades, Central <laughs> Michigan shirt, and it's during a Michigan game. So they said that he was there scouting out. You know. They're trying to say that he had the uh, the glasses that film or whatnot. I said, okay. No, right, little, the Google glasses or whatever they are. I think we're good. Um, but there's photos out there. They're trying to identify if that's him or not. And um, Spy kids. Yeah. And Michigan's defense, this is their defense, is that Stallions, like you said, was a lone rogue actor who has left the program. So he was doing it on his own, like you said. And um, now their second defense is everyone else is doing it and shared evidence that OSU, Rutgers, and Purdue uh, had conspired to steal signs. So they're pretty much saying, if we're going down, the Big Ten's going down with us. So do you want to pursue this? Because nobody in the Big Ten is going to be eligible for a bowl game. Exactly. So, yeah, that's – we'll see how that turns out. So as of now, uh, my boy Sharon Moore is taking the helm there, and he's 1-0. I don't know if you've seen that video of him crying or not. He was emotional about – I know everybody was like Michigan's trying to be the victim this and that, and I'm like, bro, just bro got his first head coaching gig, and he's one to zero against a top ten team. I said, let him enjoy this. So a little bit emotional, but it's that's who he is. So I can't I can't deny him that. I, I'm happy for him. Oh, for sure. That's that's going to be you know go out there, go two and zero, then three and zero. Yeah. Okay, you're building yourself a little resume. I got you. Dude's moved up through the ranks, man. He he played at OU lineman. Um, my sister met him and became friends with him at Louisville when um, she co- or he coached there and she was working there. Uh, and then they went their separate ways. He went to Central Michigan and then he moved up to be tight ends coach at Michigan and now he's head coach. So, I mean, he, he's he's run his path. He's had his hard trials and, and all that. And he's done his due diligence, man. It's, I'm happy for him to see him get to get the opportunity because he could chose any coach to lead lead the team and he chose him. So. I'm happy for him, and need to go get a, watch a game while he's head coach. That'd be fun. Heck yeah! So, yeah, uh, that brings more college football talk. I think you wanted to talk about was it TCU <laughs> Baylor? <laughs> oh man, don't get me started. All right, so TCU and Baylor have been in-state rivals for quite a while. They're both Christian schools, Texas Christian University, Baylor University. You know, I, I believe uh, they're both that private school type of nature. Mm-hmm. Well, they wanted to name their rivalry. Oh, the Blue Bonnet Battle. Intimidating. Oh, man, they, let me tell you, they, they did the Blue Bonnet battle because, you know, 35 runs from Fort Worth to Waco and Blue Bonnets line the highway all the way to both campuses. 86 miles. Oh, 
you know, I was thinking, and I heard it on 105.3 The Fan, they are talking about this, and about the time they said it, I was thinking, it was like, why not the, the revivalry? Mm, there you go. Like, revival for the Christian schools. And you have rivalry in there for yeah. the showdown. Call it corny, call it a play on words. It sounds better than a blue bonnet battle. I'm sorry. Yeah. Why do you take a state flower? And yeah. Have you seen the trophy? I'm looking at it now. Is it just a blue bonnet? No, it's got a wood frame, and it's got blue bonnet and kind of a half arch, and then it's got like a it looks like a giant button on top of it, and it says it's got Baylor's logo, TCU's logo, Texas in the middle, 1899 at the bottom, and it's got blue bonnets lining the outside of the button it might be small but it looks like a giant button on top of a wood frame that's all i can describe so so you're telling me it kind of looks like a flower pot maybe yeah (laughs) i guess you could say i mean or a flower bed the woodwork looks pretty cool i mean but it's not as intimidating as like the axe or the uh was it the golden boot with arkansas and lsu you know all that there's a lot of cool trophies i wouldn't put it in my top 10 Trophies, that's for sure. I don't know if I would even put that name in the top twenty-five. Oh no, I didn't. I wasn't talking about the name. I was just talking about the trophy. So. Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. No. One of the cool ones we had. Uh, it was between Louisville and Vandy. Um, we had Battle of the Barrel. Mm-hmm. It was Louisville bourbon or Kentucky bourbon, Tennessee whiskey. And we had this barrel that we passed back and forth. We ever one had the names on the side and the victor and all that, and it was it was pretty cool. So I thought that was a cool one. There might be that might be a whole nother discussion about rivalry rivalries and their their uh, statue. Not yeah. statue. I mean, I, I don't know why they didn't do something maybe with an armadillo or or something. I mean, I, I'm sorry, I, I cannot get behind the blue bonnet as the name of your rivalry. I mean, yeah. you got mockingbirds, you got the longhorn, you got. The free-tailed bat, which that'd be weird. You know? <laughs> I mean, even, you know, the horned lizard, you know, kind yeah. of teach you the horned frogs. I mean, I know it's really a lizard, but it's it's, it's almost as bad as the, uh, the butterfly showdown. I mean, because the monarch, I mean, come on. <sighs> but, I mean. I throw a little they, alliteration in there with blue bonnet battle. I was like, uh. Eh. The, the Brazos, the Guadalupe, I mean, there's, uh, I don't know. That's just my personal personal opinion. Yeah. You know, nothing is going to be as cool as the, you know, Bedlam or the Red River Red River Showdown or rivalry. I want to call it now. The rivalry. Rivalry I, got put, or, I got to put that hat on. That was cool. Yeah, I, I saw that. <laughs> I saw it. So now my sister works for OU, and she got me a ticket to the Red River Rivalry, which freaking awesome game, perfect game. I had the perfect seats. I was in the shade the whole time. Got a got a sideline pass. I didn't know the sideline passes. I could have went down like five minutes before. If I did, I would have been right there in that end zone when they scored. But I was totally pumped being able to sit in the stands. Thank you. So I went down afterwards and met up with my sister, and we're hugging it out, and I'm high fiving and hugging all the players, you know, hugging Gabriel and and Stoops and all them, and and me and Brooke devised this plan. I told her the night before when I got down there after she handed me the sideline pass. As soon as she handed it to me, I said, tomorrow, I'm wearing that hat. 
She was like, no, you're not. And I said, watch me. I said, if I'm down on the sidelines, I'm wearing that hat. So speed up to the next day. I'm down there with her. And I said, hey, go put that hat on. And when we go take a selfie, put it on me. We'll get a quick picture. Sure enough, she had it on. We took a selfie with her in it. And then I went to take one. And she put it on me. And I had to take a quick picture and then handed it right off to the next player. So that thing made it around. They take it off the trophy and it makes it around. It's like gilded cowboy hat for you guys that don't know what it looks like it's just a golden gold cowboy hat that comes off the trophy and everybody puts it on after a win so it's pretty pretty iconic for the red river rivalry trophy so that's one of the better ones i think i don't know all of them out there but that's just one i've seen that is pretty cool oh yeah yeah i told her i said i said quote me i'm wearing that hat tomorrow so and it happens <laughs> that's pretty cool that's awesome. A lot better than the year before, that's for sure. After we scored our first touchdown, oh, you did. I was like, well, this is already better than last year because we got <laughs> out last year, like 48 and nothing. So I said, this is already a better game because my parents went last year. I was yeah. planning on going last year. And um, then my parents were like, oh, we want to go. And I said, okay, that's fine. You guys go. And then I went to that game. And I was like, ooh, I'm glad I didn't go to that one. That would have been bad. But it was pretty fun. It was a good game. Um, I think that'll end our talk for college football. This will take us into uh, Major League Baseball wind it, wound up here early November um, with the World Series. Your Texas Rangers, you called it. Heck yeah. Heck took, of a series. Took on the battle. And I think I think it was something, if you go back throughout the year, I think they blew 31 save chances. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's the tough. win team, you blow 31 of those. So you convert. Half. Half. I mean, you're over a hundred win team. Yeah. And th- they did all of that really without Degrom. Yeah, Degrom or a a, a lockdown trusty bullpen arm most of the year because you didn't know who was going to show up. I mean, Chapman's your setup guy, and he seemed like he got gave up one or two hits every inning. Well, you know, see how I would close hit. games. You can guarantee his he was. Gonna give it up almost. Yeah. And runaway games, get it up there, rip the fastball. Okay, you can't hit it by. Yeah. Yeah, I, that might be why you're gonna mention earlier or later that about John Smoltz. Who was it all that was speak uh, on? A bit? Yeah, J- John Smoltz. It seemed like anytime he did a Rangers game, it didn't matter if the Rangers were winning ten nothing. You know he's dogging them and praising the other team. It's like, come on, Smoltz, swallow your pride. You're going to have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah. And I, I don't know if there's some personal vendetta against the Rangers or what it was. You know, I mean, you may never know. But that, it, it just seemed awfully one-sided when he did the game. Yeah, I think it's kind of harder when you get players to be announcers. Because there are that biasness where, I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm going to say it, biasness on on organizations they like or hate or players that played for teams. They, or, you know, they hated the player that played for a certain team, and then they just don't, um, you know, it's kind of hard for players because you're in it, and you can have those feelings of liking or not liking certain, where if you're just an announcer, you can say, oh, I was a fan for this team. That's about the only bias I have for it. Um, yep. So I, I do love that the players are announcing I love hearing their insights. They always got stories. They got stuff going on. I love hearing their 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 talk about the game and everything. Um, but there is that problem where they could be biased against certain teams. I like players as the color commentators. Yes. 
because they have the ability to paint the picture that you want in a certain situation. Mm-hmm. As a lead commentator, if you can't be unbiased, I'm sorry, you have no business being a lead. Yeah. And I think that's one thing Troy Aikman is good at because he was, you know, Cowboys through and through. But when he does a Cowboy game, it's almost like he never played for the Cowboys or never really wanted to be a Cowboy. Yeah. Because he's going to hold them to a different standard because of how they were when he played. He's going to give credit where credit's due, but he's also not going to be like, oh, man, just tough game. The officials are really screwing them right now. You know, this is the best team in the NSC. You know, no. It's yeah. Not going to be like, hey, they got to clean up their plan if they want to win this game. Yeah. You know? He probably sometimes in that case, though, sometimes you might be harder on the team that you're, you know, that you've been with so long and through and through, and you might be harder on that team saying, I expect, I expect more. You know, we won it several times in the 90s, you know, and I expect this team to do the same. So they might, sometimes it might be a reverse effect where he's more biased against the team, you know, that right. you thought he'd root for. But yeah, I like what you're saying. Uh, the colorness of it, bringing in stories. Uh, bringing in examples of why this play happened here and there that a normal announcer wouldn't know the depth of a play. Um, right. Just calling plays and, and praising certain teams, I think, should be left to a neutral announcer that's unbiased. Mm-hmm. But the Texas Rangers defeated Arizona 4-1 to World Series. Rangers won game one, 6-5. D-backs won game two, 9-1. Uh, Rangers won 3-1, then 11-7. Um, which that game sounds close, but it was what 11 2, 11 1 going into the It was 11 2, then some bullpen guys needed some work. So, I mean, it was never really close. It was just guys getting work in and then you know, yeah. only taking advantage of pitchers ahead and pitching. Yeah, you hear this pivotal game four and 11 7, you're like, oh, that sounds close. Could tie the series 2 2, but that game was out of reach from the beginning and they scored like eight runs in the yeah. seventh and eighth or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not eight, sorry. They only scored seven in the game. They scored like five or six in the late last yeah. two. But then Rangers went on to win game five, five to zero, oh, and it being their first ever franchise World Series. So could you would have told me either team would have won that World Series, the clinching game by a shutout, I would have called you a liar 10 out of 10 times. Yeah. I, I would have said there is no way. But it happened. Big game Nate showed up. Uh, got himself in some big jams early, got out of every one of them, and you know every time he got out, took more and more wind out of the D-bag sales. Yeah. I got about uh, six fun facts for the World Series. Um, I'll, I'll read one and let us commentate on it, and then we'll go through the list. Um, Rangers went 11-0 and on the road for road games. Uh, before this year, the best road record was by the 1996 Yankees going 8-0. and so you had a fun fact on the ro- on the road wins. Do, do you know what that acronym spells out? R O A D. Go ahead and tell them. Rays, Orioles, Astros, Diamondbacks. Yeah. So the first letter of each team they beat spells out road. <laughs> that's pretty cool. It's only fitting. Yeah, that's that's some of the the poetic stuff that happens in baseball that you don't get in any other sports. You know, just. Random stuff like that where they'll put up like Vlad Guerrero and, and Guerrero Jr. And their stats through 120-something games are the exact same. You know, like weird stuff like that. It's just – it blows my mind. That's like only in baseball you can get those weird stats that link up like that. 
I think it was Prince and Cecil Fielder had something crazy like that, too. Yeah, it might have been them. I knew it was a father-son duo, but then there's so many different stats they get that are like, I'm like, blows my mind. That, that, well, no, you're right. The Guerrero boys did have something crazy as well. but Yeah, I thought they had like same average, same home run, same hits within their first two seasons or something like that. I was like, this is yeah. I said, of all the ABs, of anything that can happen, and you go the exact same as your dad, it's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact number two, uh, Boshi has won four World Series titles, being just one of six managers to reach that mark. Uh, he's the fifth manager to win at least one with multiple teams. So this guy's sitting in retirement on his couch and I think they said Memphis, and gets a call from the Rangers like, hey, you want to be our manager? And he's like, I'm not coming unless we're going to win this World Series. So I think that's when the Rangers started dumping money into the free agency yep. and uh, went ahead and got themselves a World Series ring for it. So good for Boshi. I always liked him at San Francisco. I, I didn't like seeing San Francisco winning that many, uh, but I did, I did respect Boshi. Boshi. Is it Boshi or Boshi? Boshi. I think it's however whoever says it. We'll go with Boshi. Um, he seems like a great dude. Seems like a great manager. I, I, I would love to play with for him. It'd have been fun. He's very personable, and they say by the end of the day, you know exactly where you stand with him. Yeah, and that's what's a good manager to be. You know, um, our third fact. This one's pretty wild. I think it's one of the wildest ones of all of them. Uh, reliever Will Smith becomes the first player to appear on a World Series roster in three state straight seasons for three different World Series winning teams. So three years in a row, he was with the Braves, the Astros, and then the Rangers, all three winning a World Series in three different years. Talk about luck of the trade. You could have been traded to the A's, you know, but you go from the Braves, who win it, then you get on the Astros that win it the next year, and then you get traded to the Rangers. So whoever this guy gets traded to next, I'm putting $1,000 on that team winning it. <laughs> We're going 4-0, baby. We're going 4-0, and I'm going to take – you know, it's going to be like some random team like Brewers that don't have, you know, that's never won one, and they're going to win it because he's on their team, and then I'm going to like quadruple my money. Right. So Heck betting, yeah. Betting on Will Smith, the pitcher, not the hitter. <laughs> the hitter also from Louisville. Shout out Will Smith from Louisville. Um, but then they said four years in a row, there's been a player named Will Smith that's won a World Series because the year before the Braves, the Dodgers won it, and that mm-hmm. was, was different. Will Smith won it. That's so, crazy. Yeah. Like you said, only baseball. Um, yeah. He said also he's the only player in MLB, NFL, NBA, and NHL history to appear in at least one game with three different championship teams in a row. So he's first ever player to ever do it, ever. Out of wow. Yeah. So dude's living his best life. He's got yeah, room for, he's got he's got more fingers to add more to. He's got almost one whole hand filled. So yeah. Dude's living his life. He's living right for sure. Credit to his agent for getting him on teams that win. <laughs> Again, no joke. I don't think he played. He didn't play. In, I don't think he was on the postseason roster, but he did play during the year, so he still gets a ring with yeah. Rangers. Um, but still, pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Um, fourth fact, Rangers lost 102 games in 2021. Uh, only two teams, other uh, two other teams, have won the World Series two years after losing at least 100 games. Um I would say guess, but there could be anybody from any year. Uh, it'll be 1969 Mets and the 1914 Braves, each on yeah, their second yeah, year. Definitely going to say those two. Yeah, I knew you were. 
There's some guys that can remember that stuff. You ask them and they just spew it out. I'm like, no, I can't remember who won it three, four years ago, you know, so. Um, yeah, you get some of those on there. But each team was on their second year after losing 100. So nobody's done it the next year, been a rebuild and then win it. Um, Heck, the, the Orioles had a chance, didn't they? Man, they're going to be in competition next year for sure. They look good, especially with their uh, their farm system coming up. Yep. They were just inexperienced at that at that level point in the game. Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is the 1969 Mets the one that Nolan Ryan won it with? Was he with them? I know he won it with the Mets, but I can't remember if it was that year or not. He's in the – Maybe. Could be. I don't know. Don't hold Maybe it to him. He played for like 40 years. Yeah. Started with the Mets, you Astros, Rangers. They play for three. Angels. Don't forget about them. Angels, yes. Mets to Angels, Angels to Astros, Astros to Rangers. That's what it was. Um, you might could look that up. I'm reading this next one. Just let me know if I was right. I don't want to lie to lie to the people. Um, number five, Corey Seager is the first player in MLB history to win World Series MVP in both leagues. So won it with the Dodgers in 2020 and then came and won the MVP in 2023 with the Rangers. Yes, Nolan Ryan was on that team. Nice. Pulled that out of the back of back of my mind back there. Mm-hmm. I did read his book. It was High Heat, Throwing Heat, Throwing Heat or something like that. Nolan Ryan's book. That was a good read. That was a good read. Um I think I left that book on a plane after I got done reading it and never saw it again, but I was done with it. I did finish it. <laughs> so our sixth and final fact, game one uh, was Texas Rangers first ever World Series game at Globe Life Park or Globe Life Field. That was the first ever in that stadium. They just recently built it, what, three years ago? Four? Three? Yeah. I think it was three. 2020, right? I think the first year was the COVID year, wasn't it? Yeah, 2020. Um, but it was Corey Seager's seventh World Series game at Globe Life. Oh, you got to love it. So put that together. Everybody's like, what? Did Rangers had to play there if Corey Seager played there. But no, that, that COVID year 2020, I actually went to that World Series. Um, Dodgers Rays. And um, Dad's a big Dodgers fan, so I got to get him some tickets for that, um, which was fun. But it was weird because you had like 10 seats all around you were empty. So, like, 40% of the capacity of the stadium was filled, and you're just sitting there, and it's, like, dead quiet. You can hear the crack of the bat. You can hear players back and forth, which was a cool experience. And you can go to the bathroom and concession stand whenever you wanted, no line. But you just didn't get that vibe of, of you know, however many fits in that stadium, 60, 70, 80,000 fits in there, whatever, and getting those crowd noise, you know, it's just different atmosphere. So I'd like to go to another World Series and, and get to experience the actual crowd being there. For sure. But that's a wild stat that first game for Rangers is the seventh for Corey on the same field. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, for, he's, he's truly a generational player. He's a heck of a player. He's definitely made a name for himself, for sure, going from the Dodgers to the Rangers. And um, he's going to be with the Rangers for a long time. Hopefully he can create a small little dynasty there. I know it's devastation mm-hmm. for all Rangers fans in 2011, uh, watching that game or that series slip away against the Cardinals. Um, still in my mind, one of the greatest World Series that I've ever got to witness. I'm sure there's better ones that's happened previously, but to ever. You know, it, it's funny watching the catches that these outfielders will make for their team, but Nelson Cruz wouldn't do the same. 
Hundred percent. That's that's the one thing I would say that if you have any other outfielder out there, I don't know why you don't put a defensive replacement in there for him. Because you're at that point, you're in a National League park, and he was coming up the next inning, just in case. True. But you make. I mean, that ball hit like the base of the fence. It didn't hit like the top of the fence. Hit the base of the fence, and it's still yeah. I'm sure it still haunts him today, thinking mm-hmm. about it every day. Um, that'll bring us to our. Umpires for the World Series, the rankings. Disappointing. Yeah. Disappointing. I'm sorry. The biggest stage in baseball, you need umpires ranked one through seven at that World Series. Yeah. I'll read you the names of them and their rankings. We'll talk some more about it. And then um, I did some more digging on their scorecards on how they did. Uh, You had game one, DJ Rayburn, who was ranked 75th out of 92 umpires. That's game one of the World Series. Game two, Quinn Walcott, who's first overall, the way it should be. Game three, Alfonso Marquez is 77th overall. Game four, David Reckley is 68th overall, and this is all out of 92. Brian Knight, 33rd overall. Uh, Vic Carpeza is 60th overall. And the crew chief, Bill Miller, is 53rd best umpire overall throughout the year. So, like you said, why don't we just go one through seven, and then if, say, number four can't make it, take the eighth guy off the list. Thank you. If three can't make it, take the ninth guy off the list, you know, go on down, you know. Eighth guy can't make it, give the ninth guy, kind of like. Um, they didn't did, you skip Angel Hernandez? I, I He was about last. I think I read a stat where he was about last, but. No, I'm, I'm saying, like, it, if you're getting down to him, you're pulling up a triple-A umpire. Yeah. No, you mean high school umpire. Hey, somebody else stands. <laughs> we're probably better. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, catchers are going to call balls and strikes this game. Yeah, we're just going to have we're going to implement the uh, the uh, the box now. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, it says minimal of ten games for forward, worst behind the plate until twenty twenty three season. Umpire scorecard measured a similar result with Hernandez ranking last among umpires in ball strike accuracy at ninety two percent overall. So 92% is your worst. So remember that when I'm reading these facts. Um, 92% overall for his average. They also used here with the umpire scorecard, which is what I used. Uh, Shout out to umpire scorecard is a Twitter handle or X handle now. Um, They have a, they literally have a picture of the ball strike zone. Balls that they called strikes, strikes that they called balls. They have percentages of everything. Um, on there and so dj rayburn first got a 94 percent overall he got 94 percent balls right and 81 percent strikes called right he missed 11 calls so quinn walcott that's for game two had a 92 percent overall rating having a 98 percent ball call rate and an 83 percent strike call rating missing 11 also uh alfonso marquez who was ranked 77th overall I had a 94%. Uh, ball rating was 94 and strikes were 93. He only missed eight. Uh, David Reckley had a 92% overall, which I'm saying 92 is the lowest for a season. This is one game. Uh, his ball call rate was at 91% correct, and his strike rate was 94%. He missed 13 calls. And then the last guy, Brian Knight, who was ranked 33rd, had a 96% accuracy being stri- uh, balls 96%, strikes 95, missing only six. Uh, the number one guy missed 11. 
the most missed was 13 by the 68th ranked guy. And then the guy that was ranked 75th also missed 11. So first, first ranked guy didn't do too hot either. So oh. I, um, I don't know if that's just in the moment you're in the world series game, you're, you know, could be his first world series game. He's ref, but I still think you go one through seven. Who's best on the list. Give them yes. that incentive to be the best umpire during the year. And give them the reward of it. Yeah. yeah, give them a bonus and say, hey, you get the reward of being in the World Series because you were a top seven ranked umpire throughout the whole year. What's the point in get being 75th and making it? You know, like saying, hey, I did crap at my job. I'm Jimbo Fisher, but I'm going to get paid for it. You know, uh, I'm mediocre, but yeah, I'm still getting rewarded. Yeah, exactly. So I don't. I don't know. I don't know why they just don't go one through seven. Like I said, if the seventh guy can't make it, give it to the eighth guy. That's what they do in I think all state and high school. They'll make the list of the top ranked players. If this guy can't make it, hey, call the next guy on the list. Next guy on the list. Just like hiring a process, you know, you're gonna call the next best guy on the list. So I don't know how you go to rewarding the seventy fifth ranked guy, seventy seventh ranked guy, sixty eighth ranked guy. Um the sixtieth ranked one didn't get behind the plate, and the fifty third guy, crew chief, didn't get behind the plate. So, and I know there's going to be human error and all that. Oh yeah, that's part of the game. But, jeez, like you're saying, and like we we agreed on, it's like you have to reward the top guys. That's just the way it is. Because then it's like, okay, well, if we're going to get rewarded the World Series for, you know, being top umpire, having, you know, a great season. Yeah, it only carries over because what better for an umpire than to you know, umpire world, world Series. I mean, you could be thinking, this is my last year, I'm going to go out with a bang. You know, you earn that one through seven spot, and then, then you're getting to retire as a World Series umpire? Huh. Yeah, that's true. Um, that brings me also to the second year that the uh, wild card has been uh, expanded to three games instead of one. Started in 2022. Um, people say the pros are that the better team or the deeper bench or rotation is going to be able to win. Instead of it just being a one, one and done, one coin flip, you know, whoever starters better. Um, and um, and two, I guess the only positive is there's more games, more money. So, see, I like the one and done. The wild cards they play in game for a reason. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna show up that day? You better hope everybody does. Yeah. Like, oh well, you know, we struggled today. Hey, we got two more potentially. We can do this. No. Yeah. No. One and done. Play in. They called it the play-in game for a reason. There's no reason to change it. Well, that's what you get for not being a better team is you have to play one game to get in. You know, like they didn't even have wild cards back in the day, did they? I mean, they just added that recently and then went to one game and now it's three. It's just like, what are we going to have now? A wild card to get into the wild card? What's next? Yeah. I mean, because it takes the the, the, the very last game of the Rangers and Astros. It takes that of their, of their regular season into consideration. Mm-hmm. Rangers win. Okay. I think what what they get the number one overall seed. Yeah, or number one seed in the, in their division. Yep. Rangers lost. The Astros got it. Yeah, you go from a one seed to a one game wild card. Well, of course, them. of course, we'll never know how what it'd be like if the Rangers never won the World Series. But you know, <laughs> shout fun. out, Bregman. <laughs> I guess no. Peter Mike dropped the crap out of that. Yeah, that's hilarious. He could have paused for, like, to increase suspense, and it would have been better, but he was so excited to say it. Oh, yeah. Um, they say the cons of it, though, which is obvious, extends postseason longer, which 
forces teams with buys to wait longer. Uh, and usually in baseball, you know and well that a long time off can be detrimental to a team. Yep. You know, the all-star game is the longest you have in a season, which is about five days, I think, during season. Other than that, you're playing every day, maybe with a day off here and there. Um, so any time off, you know, guys come back, like what's his name from Miami? He's hitting close to 400 going into all-star break. After all-star break, he starts hitting, what, 340, 330, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And it's just a groove thing for baseball players. you got to be playing every day, and that's what keeps you going. Um, just for, like – for instance, you take, I think they, the most they took was like six days off from a one seed to a wild card being finished. Um, but then another con is that the wild card team burns more of its rotation, uh, putting them in, even in a further hole behind a top ranked team. You know, so you burned a couple pitchers. You're starting with your fourth guy in rotation instead of your one or your second guy. Um, but then again, that's why you're in the wild card because you didn't play good enough in season to benefit from being a top ranked team. Um, but just for instance, the team that hurt, I, I think, which trying not to be biased here, I'm a huge Braves fan, but Braves lost regular season. Uh, last regular season game was October 1st. Then the next game in the playoffs, October 7th, after the Phillies beat, um, I forget who they played. Um, Cleveland, no. Brewers. Brewers, I think, yeah. So they go three games with Brewers. It's October 7th before you play the Braves get to play, and they lose to the Philly 3-0. And it was one of the first times they put up a zero since, like, April. I think they scored almost every game since April or something. And this is the first shutout they had. Zero runs for a record-breaking 2023 offense. And you can't tell me that that six days didn't have an effect on them. Yeah. Um, and then they end up getting outscored by Philly 17-10 to 10 in three games. <laughs> so, yeah, that's just – I think they go back to one. You just get – Wild card, that's what you deserve because you didn't play good enough to deserve a one or two seed. So you get this yep. is what you get. So um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see that. Um, other big news in baseball, Trevor Bauer, uh, former L.A. pitcher, was accused of sexual assault on April 29, 2022, uh, which triggered an investigation and led to unprecedented suspension from MLB. Uh, he was originally suspended for 324 games and was later reduced to 194 on appeal uh dodgers released him the next year in january 12 2023 um his situation just came to light i think he's been exonerated from it uh, october 2nd 2023 the two parties have settled their civil lawsuits outside of court with no money changes i think that was the main thing trevor wanted to be sure of that there was going to be no money change because he thinks that money being changed shows a sign of guilt mm-hmm. um so yeah, and plus the L.A. Superior Court declined a restraining order and to fire criminal charges against Bauer, but yet MLB still suspended Bauer twice as long than any previous uh, suspension under the domestic violence policy. Um, yeah, there Bauer, may be something there. Yeah, Bauer ended up suing for defamation in April 2022, but both uh, cases have been dropped recently. Um, they had video showing of the girl... Lindsay Hill filming Bauer the morning of that she accused him of, of assaulting him, assaulting her. But the morning of video shows nothing on her face before she left. Um, and then there was also some text between her and her friend that said, uh, next victim is going to be star pitcher for the Dodgers. Uh, what should I steal? Net worth 51 million. And the response for, to, from her friend is get that money. Um, 
So that was all brought to light recently with a four-minute video of Bauer uh, exonerating himself with all that information. Um, how do we feel about MLB just dropping the hammer for no reason, like guilty before proven innocent? MLB needs to be held accountable. Rob Manfred needs to be held accountable. I got the perfect accountability for him. Resign. Yeah. You're garbage. You're changing the game too much. And nobody cares what you're up to. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just think that you can't I mean, he should be reinstated all that money, if not more, for, you know, being I know he went to Korea or Japan when I think it was Korea, uh, uh, to play and he's been dominating over there, but to be ousted for, you know, what was that three years almost? Yeah. Two two and a half years almost of games. Um, all on accusations. I mean, I don't I don't want to take uh uh, abuse wrong or anything. I'm not taking it lightly or anything, but um, there does need to be accountability for being innocent until proven guilty because that's the main thing in this country is that you're innocent until proven guilty. And um, I think it should be reversed if you found innocent. You know, there should be charges brought up against the person ac- accusing you that, that if they found nothing, which still is a fine line and it's and it's a tough gray area to to figure out, but. If you ruin someone's life like that, you know, like the uh, Baylor football player, uh, Okafor or whatever his name was, huge guy, his whole life was ruined on that accusation. And then mm-hmm. found out later nothing happened. So I think accountability needs to be held by MLB. Accountability needs to be held by her. And uh, everybody who slandered Bauer's name just needs to man up and apologize. So, But as a quick hitter, we'll go to the NFL. We'll wrap it up here in a minute. Um, rankings, week 11 ESPN power rankings. You got Philly at eight and one, uh, Kansas city at seven and two 49ers, six and three Lions seven and two Ravens seven and three dolphins, six and three. They got Cowboys at seven at six and three, uh, Browns at eight at six and three Jags at six and three and Bengals at five and five. So I don't know how you have Bengals at five and five. Now, um, this was week 11 going into before the Thursday night game. Um, a few of those are probably going to be dropping, uh, Browns lost Watson, to shoulder injury, uh, Bengals just lost uh, Burrow season ending uh, elbow injury, and then also I'm not saying it's as big as these quarterbacks being out, but Ravens lost Mark Andrews to an ankle injury, season ending injury. Um, so this list can change from week to week. Um, who are we liking for the Super Bowl out of these rankings? Um, and Detroit's just a tough team this year. I know. I, I need to see them continue to prove themselves. You know, I think Kansas City beats Philly. San Francisco beats Philly. It could very well be a Kansas City-San Francisco. I do like San Francisco. Um, just looking on the other side, there's not really too many teams that are challenging the Chiefs. Everybody thought the Bills would, but the Bills can't be consistent enough. Um I just feel like the Chiefs are just kind of the – I mean, they're not even at their greatest as they were last year, but they're still kind of the head front for that division. And then the other division, I think your top four is Eagles, Cowboys, Lions, and 49ers. Um, it's going to be a dogfight out of those four teams. And like you said, I just I just like the 49ers. I know they had a rough three weeks there, but they just got so many weapons with a great defense. It's just going to be tough to beat. I think – I told people, I said, after this, three, after this losing streak, they're going to – turn it around and just probably go undefeated for the rest of the year, you know, just kind of make a, a run at it. But, but yeah, I mean, uh, and, and it's, 
I don't know. Uh, Dallas is too inconsistent right now for me to to say them. I, do I think that they were more than capable of being there? Absolutely. Yeah. Do I think the offense is too roller coasterous? For sure. Yeah. You know the the thing I say about Detroit is they're finally on the up and up, and they have so many weapons on that offense. Oh yeah. I, 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 secretly, if I had a team to root for, I'd be rooting for Detroit. Just just the underdog, oh, yeah. the head coach, all the players on there. You know, they just they've been struggling for so long. They deserve this, man. I, I'm rooting for them. Um, do I think they'll win? They have a slim chance, but they do have a better chance than a lot of other teams. I think they're definitely top five. Mm-hmm. I, my top five. Um, but yeah, I'm rooting for them secretly. Uh, so yeah, I'm like I said, I hope they do. But I just have 49ers, man. I just I just think there's just too many weapons if they can keep playing the way they do when they're they're playing good. I think they'll do great. Two of the most hated teams by Cowboy fans, Niners and Eagles. There you go. If yeah. both teams could lose, and I hope they do. Yeah, big game uh, this Monday, Chiefs and Eagles. Who you think is going to win? I think it's in Kansas City. Come on, man! I cannot ever pull for the eagles well we talk about that non-biased stuff you know okay smoltz i'll call you start calling you smoltzy over there (laughs) (laughs) do it (laughs) it goes against cowboy nation you just can't do it no it's uh it's gonna be a good game i look forward to be a good game but i I still think chiefs how they come out yeah chiefs have a defense this year knock on wood that's what i was about to say i said i think both offenses eagles might have the advantage offensively, but defensively, I think Kansas City is going to step up more than because uh, I think it's Eagles' pass defense is terrible. Their run defense is great. Pass defense, I think, is terrible. And with Mahomes back there and Kelsey, I don't think they're going to be able to cover Kelsey um, and keep an eye on everybody else. I think that's going to be their Achilles heel. Yeah. But we'll wrap it up with this uh, NFL fines. Uh, I thought I thought this was pretty funny. Um, they have five players. Huh? I said the freaking NFL in this crap. <laughs> they have fined players $3.2 millions for on-field infractions this year. Uh, Deontay Johnson was fined 25000 for criticizing refs. Uh, DJ Woonum, Woonum was fined 16000 uh, for sacking Love. Tyreek Hill was fined 7000 for not wearing socks. His fines have totaled up to just below 100000 now. Well, he just keeps... It, it is in the, I believe the uniform conduct is your team color socks are part of that. Yeah. I just, it just sounds silly. You know, your no, it is silly. It, it's very juvenile, but. Well. Yeah. And then the two I have the most controversy for, which you could probably speak on is Josh Jacobs. Unnecessary roughness was fined $21,855 for lowering his head while running. And if you've seen the video, it's like, any other play to where a runner goes through the hole and as soon as he see contact he kind of bows under and braces for impact and they got him for lowering his head and it was like the least malicious vicious lowering of head i've ever seen in my life and got fined 20 almost twenty two thousand. yeah he didn't even leave with the crown of his helmet he did what running backs are told drop your hips and drive yeah and if you if you haven't seen the video look it up uh josh jacobs fine hit like it's ridiculous it's it's so sad it's so soft and football is that game whoever gets lower is going to go through the other one mm-hmm. you've always been taught that from the beginning yep yeah and then the last one was this is this one's sad jalen warren 
on two separate instances instances was fined forty eight thousand five hundred fifty six, while his base salary is only eight hundred seventy thousand this season, uh, which the fine was almost his pay for that game. This guy's a rookie coming in, and he got fined his pretty much game pay that he makes for that week. Like, not saying it's it's still a lot of money you're making still, but still that's a lot of money to pay when you're only making eight hundred seventy thousand. Is he the one they're saying, like, lead with the helmet or whatever? I guess. The dude's, like, 5'8", but he is squirrely, man. He he runs hard. Yeah. He's he's always bouncing off tackles and all this stuff, but it's just like anything. It's like you're in Pittsburgh, the middle right? thinking about fines and getting lower in your head. You know, you're just trying to get the next yard. So He's Pittsburgh, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, shoot, he's, the only thing you can see on him right now is his helmet going through the hole. So, I mean, of course it's going to look like he's that is lower. True. I mean, but. He's him for him. Hopefully he gets a bigger signed contract next year. He's been tearing it up and kind of taking the lead role almost from Najee there in Pittsburgh. Not totally, but the way he runs, man, he's he's going to be a force to reckon with. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was. Uh, he, he's fun to watch, a dynamic little player, kind of about the size of, you know, old Maurice Jones, Drew, and Roy Ray Rice and those guys. I mean, it's, yeah. you like seeing the little, the little bowling balls yeah. through that hole and just – hit that truck stick yeah for sure for sure but i mean that's all i have for today man just crazy fines they don't they just need to stop that's ridiculous you know i get the policy whatever but still seven thousand dollars for not wearing socks i think i'd put some socks on (laughs) yeah it's like okay seven grand Uh, if you want to find them 2500 okay yeah i got ankle socks just can't see them just put those leggings on that go all the way down yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of it are players being rebellious on that stuff. Like, oh, college don't have to wear socks. Why do we have to? Because it's uniform. I mean, it's whatever. Well, I think that's all we have for today, man. You got to go pick up the little man and oh, yeah. things to do. And hopefully our next one's in person. Um, so let's count for that. Let's make a great episode next one. And thanks for joining on this episode of High Heat, man. I appreciate you. Heck, yeah. It's always good talking. Maybe I'll have a, a good story for you next time. Yes, please do. Tell little man I said hi.